Empire. With everything going on, peak performance is not easy to achieve. As we can all relate to, it's really when the whole high-profile athletes start to discuss the role that mental health plays and how they perform, that now we have more inclusivity of mind and body. That's Dr. Lee Pecorello, whose Mindful Athlete Training Program is helping athletes of all levels get into their zone. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. To describe the past year and a half as trying would be the understatement of the century. There have been some great unintended consequences, though. Some of the most accomplished athletes on the planet, they're willing to share that they, too, deal with emotional issues. And for Dr. Lee Piccarillo, it's been revelatory to see the internal growth become public, which is part of the work that he does to get players and athletes to perform no matter what. Our guest this week is Dr. Lee Piccarello, who runs the Mindful Athlete Training Program, which offers powerful, integrated approaches to working with daily physical, emotional, and psychological stress for the modern athlete. And man, have we hit the right time to touch on all of these topics. Hi, Dr. Piccarello. Thanks so much for joining us. And thank you. Uh, wonderful to be here. Um, I just want to get a, a broad mental wellness, before we get into what you do specifically, I'd like to have a broad conversation for a moment. Um, okay. You saw what happened with Naomi Osaka, the the highly ranked tennis player who's not playing in the French Open, not playing right. in Wimbledon. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is openly talking about mental wellness. He's not specific what he means about that. Um, it does feel like high-level athletes have changed their approach to disclosing what may or may not be affecting them. And I wonder, having been in the field and being around athletes and knowing that this was hidden for so long, what is your reaction to athletes saying this stuff out loud that they need to take care of themselves? Well, I, I think first and foremost, it's part of the movement of the, the new age athletes. And I, I almost want to finally throw my hand I want to you know quickly climb to the top of my building throw my arms outstretched and say you know finally someone is starting to talk about it someone of high profile because as we can all relate to it's really when the whole high profile athletes start to discuss the role that mental health plays and how they perform that it, now we have more inclusivity of mind and body I think it's a uh, groundbreaking movement by these athletes that are starting to talk about their mental wellness, their mental health, really, in the same capacity that they would a physical injury. Because for the longest time, the mind and the body, the physical and the mental, have always been mutually exclusive. But as a sports psychologist, as really an expert in human behavior, you start to recognize that not only are they correlated, but they can't ever really be separated. These are the conversations that have been going on behind closed doors for decades, where athletes now, uh, if you remember Kevin Love uh, in the NBA, he came out 
with an anxiety disorder diagnosis, and he shared that perspective. Uh, there's been NFL players that have spoken of psychological diagnoses. To speak to, to Aaron Rodgers, he was actually quite careful. I think he was also quoted as saying that he wasn't, in fact, depressed. That's right. That he's in a holistic capacity. But what that translates to me is more all of the other intangible, quote, intangible aspects of human performance, stress management, attention and focus, uh, comprehension in the moment, all of these cognitive and emotional components that when comprised together really make up an, uh, an integrated athlete. But very often when the mental wellness profile is overlooked, we now start to compartmentalize the athletes and only see them as individual physical skill sets. So I think that not only is it a movement for athletes, but hopefully, like most things, when it comes from the top, that hierarchy will trickle down. Now it'll be more digestible, more palatable for the college athletes, for the high school athletes, for the scores of amateur athletes that are growing exponentially by numbers from year to year, we're finally going to hopefully get more permission to talk about the mental component that is so incredibly related to physical execution. And I want to ask you about COVID-19 for a moment as well for the athletes. Um, Paul George was outstanding in the NBA playoffs this year. He unfortunately, his all-star teammate got hurt and the Clippers got eliminated. Last year, he was openly talking about, and this the playoffs were in the bubble down in Florida at the time, at how the atmosphere and maybe the pandemic and all of the issues that went along with having to play through it affected him. Um, as you kind of monitor, not just athletes, but people in general, as we hopefully are really coming out of the pandemic, what were the issues that you saw associated with mental wellness over the last year and a half? Well, I guess for starters, the most obvious is what is now really globally known as COVID fatigue, which is really the, uh, the difficulty that people have had in managing the day-to-day -day stress associated with what we call dramatic life change. So let's go to the NBA very quickly with your Paul George analogy. What a lot of people didn't really take into consideration until the players started going public with it is that while the NBA did a phenomenal job from an operational standpoint to figure out how they could play basketball, keep the athlete safe, and essentially keep COVID out within their bubble, what was not really considered, at least to the public's eye, was the psychological and emotional impact that that isolation would have on those athletes to simply remove yourself from the day-to-day -day environment. Uh, there were other comments from players who eventually went public that said that just doing the same routine, seeing the same people day in and day out became more of that mental grind. So now let's translate that to everyday population you and I, common Joe and Jane type folks, what we're struggling with the most, and it's still resonating, substantially so, in typical clinical practices. What is resonating from COVID-19 is a general level of mental fatigue 
that is really the brain's inability to process common demands over time that make decision-making difficult. So mental fatigue, while playing a role in how we perform, let's face it, life is in fact a performance. And when we're asked to perform, when we're asked to go to work, we were asked to figure out how to work from home, how to raise our children uh, while not being able for them to attend school, the whole virtual movement. Traumatic life change was abundant throughout human history. And what we have found is that the brain's ability to withstand dramatic change without proper rest and recovery, without the proper flexibility or endurance that we would find just by diverse activity in and out of our everyday lives. When those things were removed and we were asked to be very specific and engage in a very intentional way, the brain's ability to really adapt started to slow down and therefore emotional problems stem from it. Okay, let's get back into high-level athletics, um, which is the, the topic that we wanted to bring you on to talk about um, here with the Mindful Athlete Training Program. Um, kind of take us through basically what do you do when you're working with the athletes or the teams for that matter? Well, you know, we've worked nationally the last year with a host of NFL players from coast to coast. We've worked, worked with Major League Baseball organizations, specifically their coaches. And what we do is we really, you need to think about the Mindful Athlete Training Program as a mental fitness exploration to help people redefine what it is to perform in the moment. So very often when you think about traditional mental skills, when you think about traditional sports psychology, you hear words like guided imagery and visualization. We're really trying to change the face of human performance because we've recognized in our work with athletes and coaches at a very high level that the redefinition of sorts is mandated so that mental fitness can be approached as a realistic and viable concept that is analogous to physical training. So when I ask you to think about physical training and I ask you how to do a physical movement in lifting weights to do a bicep curl or to do a squat or do, to do a deadlift, the mass majority of people either know what that feels like, looks like, or they will pursue a personal trainer. The problem with mental fitness in general is it's not cool. The whole idea of training your mind and training your brain, like any other core muscle, needs to be more palatable and digestible. So we've brought in biosensor technology to help people track and then train the four, what we like to call the four key domains of human performance, which is the heart, the brain, the muscles, and then the neural net that keeps it all together, which is the nervous system. How receptive are the athletes to these trainings in your experience thus far? Are they questioning what's happening? How, how do they work with you? Well, I think that like anything, there's a learning curve. And we have the technology to show people. If, if you were to come to my office, the first thing that we would do is we would take a baseline reading. We refer to this evaluation assessment system as BioQ, 
BioQ stands for BioQuotient. So I kind of want you to think BioQ as the Rosetta Stone of mental fitness. It's helping people understand that there's a very specific script that we can look at that helps people with a very structured, clear, and deliberate methodology of training things like their ability to be calm, their ability to get focused, to stay engaged, and then to integrate that host of systems so that they're just performing at a higher level. So when they understand this and we help them sort of bust through this feeling that performance is limited, then they truly start to understand that through leaning into really the chaos of life that comes at us, uh, when you think about traditional mental skills and you think about uh, the concept of mindfulness-based meditation or relaxation training or deep breathing, yeah. the only way that you truly know that those training systems are having a direct impact on performance is when performance gets better. So what we help them understand with is by providing data that is scientifically driven all along the way, they can see how they're making gains, to what extent their systems are growing stronger, and then more importantly, to see how well the systems can relate to one another. It's very gestaltian. We always used to call this being in the zone. I, I, maybe we just didn't have a better way of describing it. Are, are you helping people get into this proverbial zone? Yeah, we are. But the thing is, is that we're also helping them understand that the zone is no longer a feeling. That's why the zone was always so innocuous. It was so abstract for most people to digest. Uh, when Michael Jordan, you know, he scored all those points in the garden. He was in the zone. He described the basket as a big old bucket. Well, how do you replicate that, Mike? Well, I don't know. I was just in the zone. Yeah. Everything. What were you thinking about, Mike? I wasn't thinking about anything. So, yes, the concept of the zone has always represented optimal performance, but there's never been a quantifiable way to show someone, listen, this is what your heart rate variability looks like when you're in the zone, which is otherwise known as the flow state. This is what your brainwave activity looks like when you're externally focused and you're relaxed. Or this is how well your muscles from a neuroplasticity standpoint, the brain's ability to build a, a new cognitive superhighway through massive amounts of repetition. These are all scientifically data-driven methodology points that have been obtained. But at Mindful Athlete Training, we've really conceptualized the method to put them in a particular order, an ascension, if you will, a very analogous to climbing a mountain, right, with the base camp philosophy. You're moving from stage to stage as you get higher in your ascension. You are setting up shop for recovery, for, for acclimatization, to get acclimated to where you are. These are all stages and processes of athletic change. So when athletes identify that this zone not only is attainable, but there's a numerical representation all the way, all along the way. Now we have buy-in from the professional athlete. Now we have a sense of them fully understanding that when they make certain decisions in their training and their guidance through our support, 
it now allows them to say, as my numbers are improving, as my numbers are getting better, the integration of my systems are more complete. Um, all right. So let me ask this thing. I want to go back to Michael Jordan for a moment since you brought him up because he at least perceptually might be the most competitive person we've ever come across and that he, he really desired doing the things that he wanted to do. So being that most people aren't, for lack of a better term, wired that way, how individual is this? You know, there, there can't be a playbook for everybody, right? Correct. So when you think about it, when you're looking at someone like Michael Jordan, right, there's always the adage, like, he hated to lose more than he had a passion for winning. Right. Right. And that's, that's this chip in the brain that people are, are constantly trying to put their finger on. And what we're trying to, to communicate at all levels of competition across a, a, a host, uh, a myriad, if you will, of athletic domains is that what is being asked of these individual athletes is they're being asked to recall on a particular skill set that in large cases, someone like a, a Michael Jordan begins with raw skills. The raw skills or the raw talent is what you're bringing to the table, okay? But what most athletes don't realize is there are a certain host of variables that if you are working on them specifically, you now potentiate the raw skills. You're empowering the raw skills. And these are things like what we refer to as intentional training. Some people refer to that as deliberate practice. There's a very line of effort when you think of Michael Jordan, like a, a Kobe Bryant, the Mamba mentality, you're always bringing twice the effort than the average ordinary Joe or Jane. But then there's also what we call rate of perceived exertion, which is an athlete's ability to truly determine how much effort is required for them to obtain their goal. Mm. So when you look at things like rate of perceived exertion and effort, putting those two things together, we call that player engagement. Those two things can be tracked manipulated, if you will, so that the athlete has a better understanding that those areas can be strengthened, they can be more flexible, you can have endurance, you can also engage in a particular state of recovery. But the bottom line, the, the underlying factor, would say when you look at like a Michael Jordan that doesn't necessarily impact the other people, is how he's responding to in-the-moment scenarios that cause mental fatigue. Mental fatigue is the number one performance inhibitor on the planet. It could be for you. It could be for me. It could be on a random uh, Thursday afternoon after a long holiday weekend. It could be for a baseball player after the, after the all-star break. It could be for a basketball player in game six of the NBA finals. It's not if, but when mental fatigue shows up and the, its level of intensity. What we do at Mindful Athlete Training is we assist athletes with now boosting cognitive endurance so that if endurance comes up, fatigue comes down, these notions of player engagement, this notion of deliberate practice, they become again more tangible. It's within their grasp. And now they start to train it like they would their 40-yard dash. We actually put our, our players through an online, uh, we created a, a virtual um, training program we refer to as the mental combine for the NFL players that we work with because we found that if we make our psychological training analogous to physical, again, it's more digestible, there's more buy-in, 
and the learning curve is much smaller. You know, it, it's funny. Now you're talking about another thing that's been vague and talked about in sports forever, which is can you get a team to peak at the right time? Uh, is that kind of, I mean, I guess, I guess we're talking can collect. You get, can you get a team to peak at the right time? That's always uh, been, you know, a vague terminology that coaches kind of say and broadcasters kind of like myself. Your fingers crossed, right? That they peak at the right time. We're talking right. about the Suns right now, peaking at the right Correct. time. Correct. Right. You're talking about the, uh, I'm from Philadelphia. We talked about the Phillies in 08, peaking at the right time, right? So or, or if you're asking me, can this be trained? The answer is yes, but it needs to go back to its inception and it needs to be part of the methodology of how uh, professional organizations are working with their athletes. Listen, in, in today's world, when I say mental fitness to you, you may think positive. When I say gym or exercise, you may think positive. When I say mental health, the mass majority of the population's response to that is, well, why are you bringing up mental health? There's nothing wrong. It's negative. That's right. It's a, it's a negative stereotype. And this is part where when you infuse technology, we use biosensor technology, otherwise known as traditional or non-traditional biofeedback. We're giving these athletes real-time information on their ability to manage heart, brain, and muscle. When you put a quantifiable number behind an innocuous abstract concept like mindfulness, it's digestible. It's more sensible. So if you're training athletes, the same way mentally as they have been physically, not when there's a problem, not in a reactionary standpoint, but proactively in back in the beginning of the season, hey, guys, hey, gals, we're going to be training our brain like any other core muscle to maximize efficiency and accuracy so that your mind is just as strong as your physical body at the end of the year. Imagine a world if that in fact existed, where there was just a greater sense of acceptance that the mental part of the game can be trained just like the physical one. So I want to go back to the Michael Jordan reference that you made. Um, everybody would love to have 15 Michael Jordans on their team, even if they're not as specifically physically talented as him because of the mental wherewithal that we think he portrayed and his desire to win so badly. And, and maybe to your point, not lose that that was, he refused to lose and you want that. But in reality, that's not everybody. Um, and I've had interesting proximity to Joe Gibbs when he came back for his second run with the Washington football team. And now with Ron Rivera, as he coaches the team, as I call their games and they both talked about something a lot, which is you have to find people who love the sport. The reality is some of these very physically talented people that come to play there may not feel that way about their vocation. Do you work with them to try to maximize their physical gifts, even if it's not in this Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant I'm going to win and I need to be the greatest at this sport. The, the short answer is yes. We developed a, a performance theory that is holistically based, as I mentioned earlier, that makes the assumption that a certain level of raw skills is always being brought to the table. 
But when you look at things like how you practice and how you engage your sport, one can make the natural assumption that that has a lot to do with how much they enjoy it, the level of passion that they have, just their overall mindset, whether it's a fixed or growth perspective, once they become part of that organization. Part of what we do at Mindful Athlete Training is assisting athletes and helping them understand that raw skills will only get you so far, albeit that it more than likely in some cases got them to the NFL in Washington or the NBA in Philadelphia, like a Ben Simmons. His raw talent has gotten him where he is. But what Ben Simmons is struggling with is not a jump shot, but accepting that his mental game warrants the same level of respect that his physical one does. Because without the awareness, the problem exists because whether Ben was aware of that or not, the media has brought it to his attention, plus the fan base. Without that awareness, there is no acceptance. But without truly accepting that mentality is something that can be trained, that can be applied the same way the physical can, there's no real application, which is what we refer to as that behavioral change. If you're not applying yourself, you can always go back and say, what is someone's level of awareness? What is someone's level of acceptance? Because when people are struggling with real behavioral change, it's not so much about being problematical. It's a lack of commitment to the other areas, the prerequisites for behavioral change to take place. And that is coachable. Mm. But you have to be receptive to the notion that it can be taught. If the receptivity is there, it's like any other skill set that can be trained and it can be overlearned. It's fascinating. Dr. Lee Piccarello is the CEO of Mindful Athlete Training. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity and I enjoyed our conversation. On the next Future Sport Podcast, we are debuting our live shows on the brand new Fireside Chat app. You'll be able to sit in the audience and listen to our guests as we conduct the interviews live. A chat is available to ask questions, which we may include in those interviews. And then the show will be back here for you to download at your convenience. In the show description is an invitation to join Fireside Chat, so check it out. And we'd love your feedback on the new ways that we intend to interact with you. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.